it's another glorious day here in the foothills of the Rockies of Northern Colorado. Hey there, Brett here to bring your daily dose of nature-filled mindfulness, the best 10 minutes of your day. Welcome to Mountain Zen Den, the place to connect with nature for personal growth and simplicity in your life, naturally. I'm grateful you decided to join us today. Come on in. It's Walden Wednesday here at Mountain Zen Den, and that means we'll be reading from or rather, I like to think of it as Visiting Walden by Henry David Thoreau. But before we do, we're going to talk just a little bit about practicing presence. You know, meditation has hit the mainstream big time as a primary way to deal with all the pressures, stress, and anxiety that comes with life. It's also a great tool for achieving and enhancing relaxation, focus, and productivity. It helps optimize the brain and gives it a state of restful alertness. But if you ask me, I believe the best thing about meditation is its ability to help us be present and in the moment. And this is really important, not just for ourselves, but for the ones we love and the ones we are interacting with in life every day. Let me ask you, how often have you gone through your day, and at the end of it, you can barely recall what you did, who you were with, or what happened that day? Sort of like a bad hangover. Life goes by so fast, and before you know it, if you aren't paying attention to all the moments that make up life, you've missed it. I'm reminded of Kenny Chesney's song, Don't Blink, where he says, Don't blink. Just like that, you're six years old and you take a nap and you wake up and you're 25. Trust me, friend, a hundred years goes faster than you think. So don't blink. We've all been given the same 24 hours a day, but the practice of presence not only helps us be more productive in those 24 hours, it actually helps us enjoy, remember, and frame them as meaningful moments. One reason I've always been so attracted to the writings and thoughts of Henry David Thoreau is because he was so good at not only pointing out these truths about the moments, but he also wrote about and described them so well. His practical pointers on how we can best live and enjoy life open up a whole new world to those of us who are looking for learning the art of slowing down. So in that spirit today, we're going to read from his beloved book, Walden, or Life in the Woods, starting right here with chapter one. And then we're going to end the session with a simple meditation and simply practice presence. So let's gather around here together at the shore of the pond and stay in the moment with me. Chapter 1. Economy When I wrote the following pages, or rather the bulk of them, I lived alone, in the woods, a mile from any neighbor, in a house which I had built myself on the shores of Walden Pond, in Concord, Massachusetts, and earned my living by the labor of my hands only. I lived there two years and two months. At present, I am a sojourner in civilized life again. I should not obtrude my affairs so much on the notice of my readers if very particular inquiries had not been made by my townsmen concerning my mode of life, which some would call impertinent, though they do not appear to me at all impertinent, but considering the circumstances very natural and pertinent. Some have asked what I got to eat, if I did not feel lonesome, if I was not afraid, and the like. Others have been curious to learn what portion of my income I devoted to charitable purposes, and some who have large families how many poor children I maintained. I will therefore ask of those of my readers who feel no particular interest in me to pardon me if I undertake to answer some of these questions in the book. In most books, the I, or first person, is omitted. In this, it will be retained. That, in respect to egotism, is the main difference. We commonly do not remember that it is, after all, 
always the first person that is speaking. I should not talk so much about myself if there were anybody else whom I knew as well. Unfortunately, I am confined to this theme by the narrowness of my experience. Moreover, I, on my side, require of every writer, first or last, a simple and sincere account of his own life, and not merely what he has heard of other men's lives, some such account as he would send to his kindred from a distant land. For if he has lived sincerely, it must have been in a distant land to me. Perhaps these pages are more particularly addressed to poor students. As for the rest of my readers, they will accept such portions as apply to them. I trust that none will stretch the seams in putting on the coat, for it may do good service to him whom it fits. I would fain say something, not so much concerning the Chinese and Sandwich Islanders as you who read these pages who are said to live in New England. Something about your condition, especially your outward condition or circumstances in this world, in this town, what it is, whether it is necessary that it be as bad as it is, whether it cannot be improved as well as not. I have traveled a good deal in Concord, and everywhere, in shops, and offices, and fields. The inhabitants have appeared to me to be doing penance in a thousand remarkable ways. What I have heard of Brahmins sitting exposed to four fires, and looking in the face of the sun, or hanging suspended with their heads downward over flames, or looking at the heavens over their shoulders, until it becomes impossible for them to resume their natural position, while from the twist of the neck nothing but liquids can pass into the stomach, or dwelling chained for life at the foot of a tree, or measuring with their bodies, like caterpillars, the breadth of vast empires, or standing on one leg on the top of pillars. Even these forms of conscious penance are hardly more incredible and astonishing than the scenes which I daily witness." The twelve labors of Hercules were trifling in comparison with those which my neighbors have undertaken, for they were only twelve, and had an end. But I could never see that these men slew or captured any monster, or finished any labor. They have no friend Aeolus to burn with a hot iron the root of the hydra's head, but as soon as one head is crushed, two spring up. I see young men, my townsmen, whose misfortune it is to have inherited farms, houses, barns, cattle and farming tools, for these are more easily acquired than got rid of. Better if they had been born in the open pasture and suckled by a wolf, that they might have seen with clearer eyes what field they were called to labor in. Who made them serfs of the soil? Why should they eat their sixty acres when man is condemned to eat only his peck of dirt? Why should they be digging their graves as soon as they are born? They have got to live a man's life, pushing all these things before them, and get on as well as they can. How many a poor immortal soul have I met nigh crushed and smothered under its load, creeping down the road of life, pushing before it a barn seventy-five feet by forty, its Augean stables never cleansed, and one hundred acres of land, tillage, mowing, pasture, and woodlot. The portionless, who struggle with no such unnecessary inherited encumbrances, find it labor enough to subdue and cultivate a few cubic feet of flesh. But men labor under a mistake. The better part of the man is soon plowed into the soil for compost. By a seeming fate, commonly called necessity, they are employed, as it says in an old book, laying up treasures which moth and rust will corrupt, and thieves break through and steal. It is a fool's life, and they will find when they get to the end of it, if not before. All right, let's take a few moments just to practice being present for the day right here and now, with only one thought, presence.
So get comfortable and take three deep cleansing breaths and exhale any negative energy that may have been building up inside of you throughout your day. As you do, draw your attention inward. Allow your mind to quiet down and enjoy the satisfaction of the peace deep within, just below the surface. Imagine a pond or lake or the ocean which may be all stirred up and choppy on the surface, just below the roiling, crashing waves is a calm, still, and tranquil world, unmoved, uninterrupted, and undisturbed. Now, just breathe, allow, and be present. Alright, another great meditation you can do pretty much anytime, anywhere to help yourself practice presence. When things get a little crazy throughout your day, come back to the moment and just remember to practice being present. A great way to be present is simply to ask yourself, am I present? The moment you do, you become present. Try it and see if it's not true. It's a great little habit to get into. So our quote for the day is by Thich Nhat Hanh and he says, when you love someone, the best thing you can offer is your presence. How can you love if you are not there? I agree, and I add to that, how can you live if you are not there? So today, be there for yourself and for the ones you love. Remember, life is a gift, nature's a gift, and you are a gift back to the world. See you back here tomorrow. <laughs>